Welcome to the Creatives of AI podcast. I'm your host, David, and this is a show where we share insights about the future of artificial intelligence and how it will affect the lives of people working in creative industries. On today's show, we chat with Victoria Usher, founder and CEO of PR company Ginger May. And in our chat, we touch on the hysteria building around ChatGPT and how it can be taken out of context, the importance of looking back at other technologies and how they've been adopted in order to move forward with AI, the need for a paper trail when using AI, how this may affect the artistic and creative experience of making and consuming art, and how AI can be used to detect bias in language and promote gender equality. Victoria is founder and CEO of Ginger May, a multi-award winning strategic marketing and PR consultancy with offices in London, New York, and Berlin. A former data analyst and agency CMO, Victoria founded Ginger May to help businesses improve their reputation and commercial performance by clearly articulating their brilliance. Victoria has received international acclaim for her work in the PR and communications sector. She was named PR Communicator of the Year at the Marketing Awards, Industry Leader of the Year at the PRCA Awards, and Entrepreneur of the Year at the Global Stevie Awards. As always, links to Victoria's profile and social media will be in the show notes on our website at creativeswith.ai. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy this enlightening conversation with Victoria. Vic, thanks for coming on today. Obviously, you, we wanted to talk to you because of two reasons, mainly. One is your background in PR. And PRs, I think, very big is, I consider that very big in the creative industries, actually, because a lot of what you do is crafting stories and help companies craft stories about what they're doing and their products and that sort of thing. But also, you're a female founder, and you do a lot of work supporting women in business and that sort of thing. And so I wanted to bring that into the conversation today as well. Mm-hmm. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. First question is, how are you? Very well, thank you. It's been a bank holiday weekend, which unfortunately I still think I'm 25. So bank holiday weekend to me, <laughs> I think is a pub bit, you know, weekend sort of like lovely lounging around. I do have two teenagers. I, I need to catch up with what the reality of my Girl, bank holiday weekends are. Don't, so. don't, don't, don't do it. Do you know? Just, just maintain that like pub lunch attitude. It's fantasy versus reality. The fantasy in my head from about 15 years ago and the reality of actually what my weekends are now when it's bank holiday. So, but, but very not. But apart from that, all good, all good. So, yes. You're all good. Okay, <laughs> excellent. So, yeah, maybe it'd be a good place just to start off. I mean, obviously, we've done an intro at the beginning of the podcast to tell people mm-hmm. a little bit about your background, but mm-hmm. it might be good just to give us a couple of seconds on sort of what you do and, and what um, Ginger May PR is about, mm-hmm. and then we can use that to kind of then launch the discussion. Yeah, sounds good. So I have been running um, Ginger May for about 14, nearly 14 years now. We started, I started very much as a consultant and just hit this amazing uh, slipstream with data and communications and it just went completely mental. You know, within about two years, actually, of founding the business in terms of just the growth was it just exploded. And I think it's because actually lots of people in marketing and comms don't necessarily get this data side. And I was a data analyst. So that background really helped to build the business and the whole business is now built on this framework of data. So we are, you know, we, we've, we've won lots of brilliant awards, which is always um, a great asset uh, when companies are, are working with us to see that we, we kind of are the best in, in class, essentially. Um, but, but we work primarily with emerging tech companies, which is, you know, why when we look at things like AI, 
you know, we look at it really closely because we know that we're going to be asked about it by our clients and also potentially going to be working with a lot of clients that are working within this space. So the majority of our clients, and I would say probably 90% of our clients have AI built in somewhere within their tech platforms, not quite in the same way as we're going to be talking about with chat GPT. But yes, it's an incredible sector to work in, you know, emerging tech. We are never going to get less tech. It's, I like to think I'm an interesting guest over a dinner party table, put it that way. <laughs> of course. And so that's a great segue into, are you using AI at all in the agency? And if not, do you think you will be? How, how do you see that sort of playing out for Ginger May? Yeah, it's an interesting question and one that we've been debating quite a lot um, within the business. So we don't currently use it. And there's a, a, a number of different, you know, sort of very solid reasons for not doing that. If we look, if we look at specifically ChatGPT, which is probably the, the technology that is most uh, likely to be used in marketing communications and, and PR agencies, it's, it's a really interesting advancement. We've been watching it closely. We've been using it ourselves personally. We don't have any work that we can potentially utilize and convert across to, to chat GPT in its current format at any rate. So other, other kind of platforms that we use are, are things like um, media, media databases, which really just, uh, they just collate information and, and they use a form of AI, I guess, to pull it all together, but nothing as advanced as, as, um, as a platform that can actually look at linguistics and, and, and pull that together under a rule-based assumption. I do have quite a lot of strong opinions about ChatGPT, actually. Go on, Bring then. it. <laughs> <laughs> just let loose. Oh, That's what we're here for. You know, I just, okay. So first of all, I get really wound up by the hysteria. I get really worked up about it. And what I mean by that is I, I know there's a, a buzz. I love the buzz and energy around emerging technology. That's really exciting, you know, to be on that crest and to see this emerging tech coming through. What I find really frustrating is when highly intelligent and highly articulate people get hysterical and can't see the fullness of the picture. So, you know, I've been having conversations with some really senior leaders that are almost beside themselves with anxiety around chat GPT. You know, they can, they can see their, their, uh, their livelihoods being taken away by it. And in its current format, I think they're not they're not actually looking at the whole picture at the moment, and uh, I think it, it's worrying when people do look at a technology like that and just take it from here to here without kind of seeing where the deviation is is going to happen. And also, you need to importantly, really importantly, look back at other technologies, these other emerging technologies that have taken place over the last. 60 years to see what happened to their trajectory, because we can always predict more in the future when we look back at what's happened with other technologies. And, you know, ChatGPT has got a lot of potential and we need to be doing a lot of things around it. And we can talk more about that, like legislation and, um, you know, the programming of it. But essentially, it's very exciting, but we didn't see the world go to shit, quite frankly, with cryptocurrency, but cryptocurrency has gone to shit. And it's it's gone down this hype cycle. So you can see crypto is a good example of where it just went up and everybody was like, oh my God, oh my God, this is, banks are going to be like destitute. There's no point in banking anymore. This is where it's going to go. 
And then we just saw crypto absolutely smash through the floor because it's gone through the hype cycle. And you know it's early stage. And of course, it's going to have a place in the future, but it's got to go through a lot of evolution first, and then it will find its place and it will have the legislation around it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel the same way about ChatGPT. You know, it's very exciting, but it's going to go through that hype cycle. It's already crashing. You can see with a lot of people that they're using it and it's not living up to expectations. For some, for others, it's brilliant, but it's finding its place. It's just finding its place in society, in industry, as with everything. So I, I get frustrated, I guess, when people aren't educating and informing themselves. You know, there's so much information out there about this. As soon as you start reading documents from data scientists, from, you know, really future thinkers, they will show you and tell you where the risks are, but also where the reality sits. So, you know, and you can unpack it. And there are so many different elements to discuss about this potentially, and none of us can see in the future and exactly how it's going to become. But you get a kind of a good framework of of how it's probably going to develop. Again, looking back at other hype cycles and other tech innovations. It's interesting that you mentioned that. Didi, do you want to? Yeah, no, I was. I I can feel you ready to give your example. So, do you want to jump in with your example? So, look, I also find ChatGPT really exciting. I've got a lot of trepidation around it. And I agree with what you say about hype cycles. But I would say with caveat that the nature of this technology, like we can look back at the way other uh, emerging technologies have entered the scene and what's what their life cycle has been and, and what's happened. But I think the nature of artificial intelligence is we don't know how the technology is going to emerge. And that isn't to say I'm not like, you know, raining on anybody's parade or throwing buckets of cold water. I don't think that I don't think in its current form it's going to take over the world. But I think its current form will change. And and so I, you know, I love it. I love it for a lot of stuff. But I, I don't think we can. I think I think where it goes will depend on humans, you know, uh, not not on the technology itself. How and mm-hmm. and and like that's who I don't trust, Vic. You know, <laughs> like, right, right. I'm right. good with the tech, you know. I'm just it's it, it, it all depends on on how we use it, right? It's the same thing as like a car. A car can get you to the supermarket, but it can also be a weapon. You know, it's the same kind of concept. So, right. That's what I'm. That's what I think I'm unclear about. And I don't think anybody can be clear about. We can't predict. No, it's so early stage. And I was listening to uh, Radio 4 actually last week, and they were just talking about the need to create legislation around this. You know, it's How? so early How, stage. Though? How? Well, I mean, we've created legislation around other things. This is so early. I think one of the problems with ChatGPT is that it's so expensive to develop. It's actually sitting in the handful of a, a mi- tiny minority of tech companies. So actually, it's like anything. It kind of reminds me of the atom bombs in uh, in Iran See, a know, little girl. bit when I'm looking at this analogy. So, But you need to get in and you need to see it, right? So once you can get in and see it, but they need access to it. But this is this was only, when did it, when did it, when was it launched? February? Mm. Early, I mean, Something it's this, like that, yeah. yeah, so I mean, we're, yeah. we're only May. So, you know, it's so early stage that better minds than us are going to be able to, I, I have faith. I, I actually do have faith that, you know, it's the same thing as a lot of things like privacy online. You know, 10 years ago, we couldn't solve that problem. There's, there, it still isn't solved, but you can see that just with awareness, you know, governments are starting to come together. You've got different legislation around that. And the more understanding that comes, we were told that legislators would never understand the issues. And, and they actually, they, they are beginning to understand them a lot more. So, 
that I think is going to come out as the pla- as the programs develop and as the platforms develop. They're so early stage at the moment. Yeah, I, I think what's interesting about this and is that where we are now is like dial-up. Mm-hmm. It's clunky. It's loud. It doesn't really work too well. It'll get things done, but not in the way you want to. But you know, it took dial-up what twenty years to become broadband. Really, mm-hmm. mm. AI is not going to take twenty years to to get itself to 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 broadband speed. Mm-hmm. It's going to take five yeah. years. You know, because because the broadband comparison is a good comparison, but it's like it is also like comparing chalk and cheese because they're it's they're different technologies. You know. Yeah, and, and broadband had some physical limitations that I think AI broadly doesn't have. You know, we were just talking to somebody else this morning, and who's a who's a retired admiral, and he was you know commenting on the fact of what happens when quantum comes in, and you can actually get quantum from AWS. That's completely going to change the game. And he said, you know, his concern was is that you can rent, you know, taking on the nuclear example actually, which is is something that we talked about. He's like nuclear takes. You know, that's a a hard physical thing that takes things to build. And he's like, you have to have lots of money and smart people to do it. He's like, you can rent computers to run AI. And he's like, it's a whole different ballgame now. But I can can see both sides. I mean, I think, I do think we're at at a little bit of an inflection point. And I think people are just learning how to use things like ChatGPT and the large language models. There's some other, you know, specific... AI modeling or machine learning models in things like medicine that are doing incredible things and they're doing mm-hmm. them incredibly quickly. But I think it's the large language models that have really caught everyone's imagination. This might be controversial, but I think in most cases, it's probably better than your average human. Well, just because most, most humans are really rubbish at English. And I, exactly. I mean, also, exactly. you know, we, we do part of this for our, a living. You know, we do sentence construction and where does the verb sit and most people don't actually understand that um so yeah. actually i would say yes but then it's got the common sense human element which it doesn't hasn't factored in yet and it is going to improve and you know it's going to have to be educated on what those are but i think the, the you know the issues with it at the moment is it's unbelievably intelligent but shockingly stupid you know you can't and it's crap in crap out it's based on you know some of my biggest issues are it's based on well first of all it's at the moment so i'm talking about it currently so you know it's i think september 2021 is 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 the information it's got up to so for any company that wants any piece of information past that you you can't get it um you can't access it and it's accessing everything so it's accessing it's accessing all the best of the internet and the worst of the the internet and that's the problem is it can't distinguish between it so you know, you've got all the unconscious bias that's built in. So that's just built into the model itself. But then all the extremes of the internet that it's actually pulling together and dumping together in a kind of, in a, yeah, computer coded sentence that you know are the actual rules of grammar. So, yeah. So I think, you know, to your point, I think it does, it does write better than a human being, but without the logic actually and the human, so, the human around it for yeah. now. And, and, for and now. that's a, for now. Yeah, that's the. That, I think that's the key word of this podcast. It's all about for now, um, and that's the worry. You know, for now, it. You know, maybe you can have junior staff. I mean, I 
when I think about it all the time and specifically in the creative industries, I don't think it's going to be one of those things where one day everybody has a job and then the next day people don't. It's not going to happen that way. What's going to happen is it's going to creep in little bits at a time. And so you're going to have, instead of you maybe hiring those next two people, you'll actually hold off because the people that you have can use those tools to save time and to be more productive. And then then it comes and you say, oh, well, then the next two people that you need, well, you don't really need them either. And then the next two people, well, actually, you don't need them either now because it's AI has got better. And you kind of don't need those junior people anymore. All your mid-level and senior people can do the work. And the next thing you know is 10 years down the road, you don't have, like your senior people are moving on and you don't have, there's no junior people in the market because they haven't been trained because AI has been doing it all. And then, then you're in a situation where it might be far enough down the road in eight to 10 years where actually you don't even need the senior people anymore because the AI will have been trained well enough on PR to be able to do, to, this is specifically about writing. Mm. Now, I know there's a whole huge other thing that PR does. And it's not just about writing a crafty press release. That's probably, ooh, I'm going to be risky and make a guess. That's probably 10% of what you actually do. So, the so PR, it, PR, a press release is 10% of the writing, but the writing is 5% of what we do. So right. 95% is not writing. Yeah, yeah. So there's still that human element it's building the relationships with journalists. It's talking to them. It's pitching to them. Mm-hmm. And, and I know some of that happens in email and, 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 and written, but a lot of it is it's going to the shows. It's meeting people in person. It's going to Cannes. It's going to all those different places. It's, you know, th- there's still a huge element to it. So I do appreciate that. It was interesting before that you mentioned something about the bias being built in. And I agree. There's going to be some built-in bias. Some of it is there intentionally, because we know we've already seen examples where you can ask it politically loaded questions, and it will give you very different answers based on the politics about inferring whether something's right or wrong, for Mm -hmm. example. So there's some of that that's been put in on purpose. I wonder how you can use it, though, to remove maybe bias from things that are already out there, like job specs and if you're doing press releases and things like that, could you use it to actually remove bias? Okay. Can I ask your first question first? Because there's two in there. So I think in in regard to your first question about written content and whether it it replaces people, replaces, 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 what we've seen in robots, for example, is that it does low-level menial work. And I think it's the same thing with chat GPT for the moment and for the foreseeable future until it can essentially think for itself and we're not there yet and nobody can give us, you know, that it is a huge jump to make her, to actually have a computer actually thinking like a human's program it like a human. Um, we actually worked for a company where the founder tried to create a brain, didn't we, David? So, you know, there were so many different problems around that. Even recreating the functionality of an eyeball is incredibly so complex. So, and I don't understand it to that level. I'm not a data scientist. None of us are data scientists. We don't know what is required to get from where we are now, this very, very early stage nascent platform to when it can actually properly think and assimilate that information because it's, it's not just 
It's not just um, coding. It's not just ones and zeros. This is so nuanced to being thinking and acting like a human being. It's so nuanced. You know, how do you write that into rules? Basically, it's just so hard to do. So I think in terms of when you're producing as a creative business, anything, um, what, what we're doing is, is we're doing future. We're future um, gazing essentially a lot of the time. So we're not looking back. We're always looking forward. And that's the problem with chat GPT for us. We can't, we can use it. Okay. I'll tell you when we could use it. We could use it for SEO online because what you could do is you can just give it a, you can give it a program. You can give it some keywords. You can say, I want you to write about this, this and this. I've had to think about that though to code it. So that's the first thing. I've had to think, what am I going to put into this? First, what is the output I actually require? So I want an SEO page, hidden SEO page on my website to target, to get people to come in because I'm a London-based company. I do PR technology. Here's all the rules. And it's just going to create some great content. That might have taken someone four hours. Absolutely. That is going to, I think that's going to kill those kinds of jobs. So hundred percent. If I was working only in that area, I would be worried. Another example would be a travel writer who writes blogs on Barbados. Now, Barbados doesn't get reinvented all the time. You can pretty much put a bot, put, put on a, an AI platform to create some web content around Barbados. I mean, you know, some lovely, you know, 800 words, 400 words, whatever you want, bang. Because all of that information is out there in the public domain. But for anything that requires a strategy, that requires understanding what you want out of it, it is going to require a human being. So even a press release, you know, I, I've tried to write press releases just as an experiment to see what comes out. And it's garbage. It's absolute bollocks, quite frankly, because the thing that actually makes a press release often is what you're not saying as much as what you are and also the order that you're putting it in. And how somebody is going to read a story and the, the way you're actually narrating it. So it's not around, it's not as simplistic as just sticking a sentence together and making sense grammatically from an English language point of view. So, so in that sense, it, it isn't very much use. But for stuff like, you know, I can see where we could potentially use it for these kind of little tiny jobs that we would do around the agency. You know, that would, that would kind of really help. See, I do think, I think, it, it- how much have you played with it though, Vic? Like, have you, have you just given it straight prompts or, because I mess around with it quite a lot and I find the more that you prompt it and you cajole it, you can get it to produce things in the style that you want it to produce, you know? So it's like, and, and interestingly, somebody that I know who's been working in AI for years, because I was like, oh, you know, I'm not a tech person. I'm going to be awful at this. He's like, Didi, you're going to be amazing with this because you'll just <laughs> you'll just talk to it like not like a tech person, you know? It'll give me a yeah. first version of something and I'll say, uh, you know, no, can you please write it in this style? And then it'll spit something out and I'll get, I'll tell it where I want it to tweak. And it's like, you know, so it's it's almost like co-creation. But my, my question is this, because I can already tell when I look at stuff that's been produced by ChatGPT, I, mm. I can tell. I can tell mm. when something mm. has been written by ChatGPT. Mm. What I wonder, even with stuff that we consume, like little things, the things that you, you've said are, are like super important posts, you know, mm. I'm really interested in how, what the effect is going to be on the consumer of, of those, you know. So if you know that something is being written by a bot, how do you interact with that when you're reading it? Just like think about how you mm. interact with, with, with the chat bot when you're like mad at Vodafone for not, uh, you know, messing something up with your bill and you go, I'm, I'm like way ruder to the, chat, to the chat bot, you know? So what is that going to do 
to audiences that are consuming this content? And will people even bother? I mean, it will devalue content, I think, if it's done on a wide scale. You know, so I think, yeah, we can see, you can see that when you're dealing with machines, again, it's, I mean, my dad shouts at Google, you know, Google, us, you know, because, and it's the aggression that, that you can see being played out. I can see it in my family with my kids, you know, it's the same thing verbally that you can see in a kind of written format. Yeah, it is, it is interesting the way it will change, like you say, the way we interact with it. I think for me, there are so many ethical questions. I mean, you can, you can see who's going to have problems with this. And I feel, I feel worried for them. I, I'm not, I'm not worried myself in what we do because there's so much thinking that goes into it. I don't, I think it's going to be years and years before any machine can get close to the, the, nuance that that we have to do as a uh, as an agency but i feel really sorry for journalists working in consumer publications i don't know i don't know how they are going to discriminate between uh, ai created content and human and that would that's a real ethical question and i i would imagine that there are already moves going on there if you you know if you would ever get caught submitting content you'd probably be banned for life from that publication i would have thought in terms of submitting that kind of content. Um, schools and universities, absolute nightmare. They've, nightmare. they've got algorithms already set up to detect, huh? Right. But Someone's that's making gonna an get, AI That's going to get more sophisticated. AI. But that's going to get more sophisticated because the AI will then go, these are the rules they've set. I'm going to try and get around it. So it's going to be chicken and egg all the time where you're trying to kind of go around it. So, you know, as it gets more sophisticated, we need to become more sophisticated, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's certainly what I love about it, you know, for me, hating the hysteria, but the, the negative hysteria, where everybody's like, we're all, that's it. We're all out of jobs forever. You know, all of us. And I'm like, calm down, calm, calm down. It's got a way to go yet. So let's just see how it evolves. You know, for me, it's super exciting. If you have something really basic that you want to do that doesn't, and when I say really basic, it's something you don't need to really think about. I will run it through and, and get first draft. And that's really helpful for me because actually sometimes it makes me consider other elements that maybe I hadn't thought about. So, you know, staring at a blank piece of paper versus staring at a piece of paper that the AI has created is actually really super helpful. And it does save you time. It fasts forward. So in that way, I find it really, really helpful. Something that's really interesting. I was at a, an event the other day. And there was a lady from, and as a data scientist, you'll probably like this, but she was from the data science team at number 10. Mm. And she was saying that they've been using AI for some time in the, in the data analytics team. Mm -hmm. And she said, what's been a revelation is that they can take a data set, they can ask a question. She said there was a, one of the team members, he, he set off something, gave it, gave it a data set put in the request into the AI tool that they use, went to lunch, came back, and she's like, the results were in. And she said, that's something that would have taken him a month to right. do manually. Mm. She said, the results came back in about five minutes. But what the, the most important thing to it is that the tool that they use gives a full breakdown of all of the algorithms that it used, what variables it used that it found were important, why it found them important. So it gives a, a very detailed breakdown of how it got to the results that it got to mm -hmm. so that the analyst can then look at it. And she said they've never once found an issue where they looked at it and thought, oh, it did the wrong thing. <laughs> like it's always correct. 
but it it gives them that breakdown afterwards. And I think maybe this is something we we talked about a little bit earlier about mm. you know sort of there needs to be a paper trail almost when mm. when you're kind of using that. So I know we've been talking about large language models, but there are other models out there that are using machine learning that are doing incredible things that do actually are very verbose and actually give all the reasoning behind what they're doing so the humans can check it. And I think a lot of that's going to have a huge impact as well. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Absolutely. I take it back to like thinking about how this affects consumers, though. This is what I'm really, really interested in, because I think art, art for me, you know, I have an artist's heart, you know, so when I read a book or I read anything, I read an article, for me, it's a human to human experience, you know, and it's, so if we start mm -hmm. doubting was this written by a human or was this written by artificial intelligence? How is that going to affect the, I don't know, the, the artistic creative experience of making and consuming art, whether it's literature, visual art, film, whatever, you know, because look, mm. I can make you a cake from scratch, you know, or I can whip you up a Betty Crocker cake. They're both mm. cake. Like my cake's probably better. It's different, but they're both cake and you can eat them both. Mm. Right. Yeah. Did you see the uh, Did you see the experiment where they got ChatGPT to actually create a recipe for Thanksgiving? No, I can't remember who it was that did it. So yeah, it was no. uh, it was last year. I'm sure it was last year. Some kind of chatbot. It couldn't have been ChatGPT, but they used AI, and um, the recipe was they were putting guacamole, I think, on the turkey. You know, it was again, it was human norms and understandings, and because it just didn't have that kind of that that human understanding just talking about recipes specifically. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, I think for me, it comes down to trust. It's trusting where the origin and the source of this is. And, you know, we're already seeing art created by machines. You know, there's a, a company called 59A that did an art exhibition last year created from algorithms. It was beautiful, really, really beautiful. So the difference is, is, is that when you know it's created by a uh, a machine versus when you, when it's created by a human, you kind of have that understanding and you can appreciate the beauty of both. But you're right. It's when you are looking at something and then you are doubting whether or not it's actually being created by a human hand or whether it's being created by a, a, an AI creation. We're not quite there yet, though, because like you say, most of the content I've seen, it feels, I'm talking currently, it's just not there. They, there's so much more. This, the common sense, the norms, the values, that, that's, that's, that's just that magic touch of being a human being where you can just tell that a human being has made it. And maybe it's, a, maybe it's an imperfection. Maybe, there is, maybe it's that added imperfection within sentences and, and the way you speak as a human that makes it human. You know, and maybe it's the fact that, that, that if it's AI, it's actually talking in such a perfect way. Maybe that is the way they, I don't know what the algorithm is, the test, whether it's chat GPT. I would imagine it's around the perfection of the way it's created. It's the density of information from my understanding is the way that they do it at the minute, because it's so loaded and so dense and so concise that normal people don't write that way. And so over the length of a whole, like if it's one sentence, it's really difficult. But if it's 700 or 800 words, it's much easier because they go, this is way too dense. A human didn't write that. I think for most humans, I think if you compared that to a PhD student writing his thesis or her thesis, I think that you would find that the density of information is probably very similar because it feels very academic. 
most mm. of it mm-hmm. to me. It's very kind of business language and and education type language, which doesn't surprise me because those are the people that are making the you know that are that are using the tool and that are designing it from the beginning. So I, I'm not surprised by that. But for things like I don't know, like if you take and highlight a page of text and say summarize this text or make this more concise for me. It could be something that you've written, but you've just asked it to rewrite it to make it sound better. Hmm. And a lot of times you can, it, you know, it can reduce it massively to pretty much whatever you want. You can hmm. say, I've got a 700 words, make it 300 hmm. and it'll make it 300 or make it 100 and it'll make it 100 hmm. and it'll sound really good. And it's really good at doing that sort of thing. But yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I think for some applications, oh, for the noise in That's the back, okay. for some applications, I think it's great. And yeah. it, and it does work really well for that. And it is better than, it, it's maybe not as good as a professional, but mm-hmm. it's probably better than 75% of what most people could write. But it, but, you know, I think it also depends on how you prompt it, you know, because it will behave the way that you want it to behave. So it's like if, if you mm. just ask it, a, like, most people don't understand that they have to be doing a, there's a push and pull with chat GBT, you know? Mm. So as in, and something interesting that that somebody told us about, uh, and it was a guy who worked in AI, and because when you were saying your family kind of shout at Google and say, Google, do this, you should always talk <laughs> politely to your devices, you know, because it carries on in 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 um in in your personal life, whether you realize Absolutely. that or not. If you're like Google, stop, or you know, Alexa, you know, lights on, you know, like. You will end up speaking to people like that at some point in in your life because that's how you're used to interacting with your devices. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. When when I'm using ChatGPT, I do ask it repeatedly and repeatedly. You know, so if it comes out too academicy, I will say like, "Could you write this in in you know in kind of normal speak?" And and you can give it a few goes. You know, you don't have to accept the first the first thing it spits out. But this is how I think AI is going to evolve. You know. Mm-hmm. I just, I yep, just I think agree. we're at the absolute. So it's not like I'm like, oh no, you know, the end is nigh. I'm not, but I'm just really cognizant of the fact that we don't even know where this is going. So it's like at this stage right now, it's behaving this way. But the difference between, you know, the version that came out in February and the version that we're currently using is is huge. So the next iteration of Chat GPT, you know, who knows where it's going to be? Yeah, and hence why it is really important. I think legislation, and like you say, how can you do that? But you know, you can, I am sure that minds are already on this. It's already being raised. I, like I said, I listened to a program last week, fascinating, talking about it's going so fast. I, uh, again, the evolution, I know you said about broadband. It's just this cycle that we're just that we're talking about Moore's law. We're, they were talking about Moore's law and about how it obviously just um, accelerates at such a massive speed. If you don't have legislation, it will get out of hand. And then I agree, it's, it's like we're talking about with trust and human beings. You know, we, need, we do need to know when something has been generated, if it's something, it's a little bit like an advertising trademark, I think. So I'm sure we may get to that point, you know, somewhere down the line. So, you know, we had internet adverts, we've had various things for probably... 15 years before the industry went, actually, you can't do this. You can't just put content up that's an advert and actually not market as an advert. And then they obviously started bringing in uh, legislation around that and advertising on the internet. It kind of feels like we need something as a, a marker to actually indicate when something is AI created, if it's masquerading as creative writing. 
that would be my moral that would that would be morally where I would sit. You know, we do writing. We don't rely on the writing for what we do at all. Um, you know, we're talking to clients about their kind of opinions. A lot of, as you said, David, you know, what we're doing is actually doing assessment of the market, assessment of individuals, assessment of what they're actually doing, and then making a recommendations. Now, AI would be years off doing something as kind of sophisticated as that and is in a niche market like kind of PR, I would imagine. But I would have a real issue reading something um, like a book if I didn't know it had been produced by AI, for example, because that's something I, I would just want to know uh, because I would view it differently when I'm actually going into that and reading that, trusting, trusting whether it's been a human brain or an AI platform that's actually a created human it. heart, Vic. One of the things I wanted to dig into you with a little bit was about the bias mm. as well. Mm-hmm. And what's been really interesting is using a, a chat GPT like tool to go back and look at things like job descriptions mm-hmm. and to analyze that and say, you know, rank this on how biased the language is mm-hmm. and then to provide an alternative that maybe wasn't as biased as the original. Mm-hmm. And have you have you thought about using it in that way or have you had any experience with using it that way? We haven't, but I can see how it would be absolutely brilliant for something like that. Again, it's rule-based. You know, you can see how clear and rule-based that would be a little bit like SEO, where you're you're actually plugging in the language that you need to be looking out for and actually running it through essentially for for a check and play. So I could see that that would have brilliant applications within itself. We talked about bias and all technology has a bias inbuilt. Can't help it. It's mainly be developed by Men. All humans have a bias. All humans built. have a bias. They have, but what is what is AI? It's mainly developed by men. Technology technologists are mainly men. That's getting better, but the kind of people yeah. that we are looking at at the moment, the programmers, the coders, you know, there is a real movement to try and get more women into that, but it's again still early stage. So most of the technology we currently have up until this point is developed by blokes. And there is going to be an unconscious bias built into that technology. Um, don't you think you Vic, can't? Don't you think with that. the with mm. the with the language model though, because it's content that it's using, right? So, mm-hmm. because that for me is where the bias is coming from: is the content that that the AI is consuming and spitting back out. So. I mean, I, I don't know what the statistics are, you know, the, all of the content on the internet, for example, it's, you know, it may well be more, more skewed towards men, but it's, although mm-hmm. the technology is mainly created by men, the kind of mm-hmm. the, the, the fuel that's driving the engine is just the content that's, that's out there. So it's, it's humanity, really. Mm-hmm. It, it is absolutely, again, the, the imperfection of it. I think we talked about whether there was a, a bias that, or whether AI could help. What was your question, David, around that? It was because I didn't actually have a look because I was could, like, could we use AI to help remove the bias, bias language in particular? Oh, yeah, no, that, yes, definitely. Yeah. That's easy because that's a pro, because I could sit there and write that now. I could tell, you know, because we know what the kind of words are. So that's easy, easy, easy. It was more the one that, where you said as a female leader in a creative field, what are your thoughts on the role of AI in promoting gender equality? Yeah. That that is probably more around ch- that straightforward check and balance around things like language, B- 
because again, it's very rule based. It's very obvious. You know, these kinds of words are are words that are demeaning to women or men or you know di- ethnicity, different people of different ethnic groups, sexual orientation, etc. I think that's very very straightforward. You can do that. It's, I guess, it's how it can actually help. I don't see in any other way, unless you can think of any other ways, it would be used to promote it apart from things like language. I, I think checking everything in language is a, is a good first step and using it to try and remove maybe something that you didn't realize where there was bias. I think this bleeds over also into a, a larger ethical question, which is you then get to, I think our assumption would be that when we say bias or ethical, what we mean is the Western liberal Mm-hmm. sort of position. You've got other people in the world who have different value systems and what they would consider good or bad content is different than what we would consider good or bad content. And I think that what we're going to end up with is we're going to end up with several different tools. You know, for example, you could end up with a Sharia law AI mm-hmm. that works to but it's true. Do you know what million, I mean? And we can't ignore percent. that. That's like 25% of the world's population. Yeah. And, you know, they don't, there's not even agreement within the Muslim community about, you know, what is the right or wrong thing, as we see as evidenced in, in wars that they have all over the place. But the, but the thing is, is that they'll, they'll probably develop their own AI system that will have theirs. Mm. And it gets really confusing. Do you know what I mean? And, and it, this is where I think it's really interesting because you, do you have one winner? But it's like, but it's like bias. Who decides what's what bias is? You know, because ChatGPT already, like you know, talking politically, it will write wonderful poems about Joe Biden. It it writes mm. awful stuff about Donald Trump, and and this isn't about how you feel about either of those politicians. It's like it, you know, that's what it will do. So, and and maybe that's the content that it's being fed on. But it's like it's going to have bias, and but it's who sets the bias. Uh, you know, is the person who's deciding what's what's right or wrong, and and this is all about ethics in AI, and it, it's a it's a field. It is huge, and you're right. You know, with something like you know the Muslim community, why should they just have one platform? And it's language. We don't just have one language. We have one common language that if we go and travel to you know, do business somewhere else, then it's, you know, English is is the one common language that's accepted globally, but it's not accepted as the local language in, like we say, in like Iran or um, Singapore or, well, Singapore would be, but maybe Malaysia. So it's going to have to have spin-offs and nuances um, for sure around the language and and culture. Yeah. Because again, you know, um, culture is a really big, has got a really big play in here as well. So we are looking at such an early stage platform and it is exciting to see where it's going to spin off to. And I guess none of us, we can see the potential if this is what I was saying right at the beginning. If you take A to B in its, where it could potentially just spin to, it could be frightening, but actually there's a lot of things that are going to happen in between that um, in terms of the way that we're going to have to have some intervention. And that's why we've had Elon Musk and a lot of the tech leaders actually say that we we have to have some kind of control around it. I think that is that is the really, that's the really big thing. We've had this this great platform presented to the world and everybody's getting very excited about it. But it it we do need to have some kind of wrapper around it. 
but wrap but you around know, how it's developing. It's, but I agree with you, but it's almost like it's too late for that because the because the train has left the station, you know, and it's and it's like if it, 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 we've said this over and over, but it but it's true, like. If we hang back on our developments with AI in this country, because we're an ethical country and we will want to put safeguards around it, there are going to be other countries around the world who won't. So it's it, so it's 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 like an- so. How do you, where do you think where do you think this is going to go? Hmm, I think it's going to go good places, and I think it's going to go bad places. I do. I think it's going to. Do- and where do you think it's going to go bad? I think it's going to displace a lot of people um, out of jobs, not overnight, but I do think it will displace people out of jobs. And I think that there will be potentially, at some stages, confusion about what is real and what is not, you know, because, uh, you know, and, and what is created by a human and what is not, and what is truth and what is not, you know, and, and I think it's really as difficult as it's been to, to police the internet, the, the advent of the internet and the the growth of the internet was a lot slower than this phenomenon. It has been and is going to be. So it's about how do you put guardrails in place when the train is rushing ahead of you and you're 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 rushing to keep up. So I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm can't stop it. It's here, you know, and and so I I'm I'm positive about aspects of it and uh fearful about others. I think it's go on, David. No, 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 go ahead. I was I mean, obviously, you know, one of the key things is when when AI can think think for itself properly is the big trigger that's that scientists talk about. Um, and that's really how how far off are we, how far away are we from that point? That's the real trigger mark. But I think scientists I, I've been listening to, you know, because obviously it's a, such a fascinating subject. Nobody can say, and that is the thing that that most people are worried about. Where am I on that? I've got. I actually have bigger worries. If I'm going to worry about anything, I I'm concerned about actually more around deforestation in Asia. I'm worried about where food's going to come from in fifteen twenty years. I'm worried about changing weather patterns. I'm actually worried about that. If AI can help us to overcome some of those problems, that would be incredible. But yeah, I'm not getting too caught up personally in it's out of my hands anyway. It's out of, yeah. it's out of all of our I hands. I agree. You know, in a way. But you know what? If you can't eat, none of that stuff matters. Exactly. And so that's why I'm kind of, you know, there was a, uh, not that I want to kind of derail the conversation about AI, but I think it's no. one of a number of different issues that we're currently facing. Um, and personally, I get very depressed when I see, uh, you know, people, spending all their time kind of worrying about something like this when I'm like, actually, there's something on your doorstep right now that you need to also be really focusing things mm. that you can do something about actually as, as kind of bigger global concerns. Well, this, this podcast got started because, you know, I work in the house, which is the sort of creative sort of shared office space in Tunbridge Wells. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got copywriters, we have journalists, we have authors, we have designers, we have landscape gardeners who all have offices here and every day at lunchtime you know ai has been a big discussion and and dd and i also discuss it at work through through other projects and one of the things that i noticed here is is that copywriters are already losing work mm. they're actually losing work you know authors are having trouble getting books submitted because so many the the publishers have now been flooded with so many submissions of new books 
and manuscripts that have been obviously helped with AI. So, so some of the people here are actually feeling concrete consequences to this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's only going to get, it's only going to get worse and worse in mm-hmm. inverted commas uh, over time until people learn how to use it. I think on the other side, I mean, I'm, I know it may sound a little bit negative, but I'm actually glass half full about all of it. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think potential for things like, you know, people doing creative work at home. I mean, I use it for, to, to help me with outlines mm-hmm. and summarizing things for me. And, and I might take a paragraph and say, Hey, can you make this paragraph shorter? Can you make it sound better? Mm-hmm. And so it changes the clunky words that I use and actually makes it sound better. So in a lot of instances, that's kind of, I don't get it to write massive articles for me, but I get it to tweak what I've already got. And I think it's really good for that. And I think that that might ultimately, just just on the large language model, again, we, we keep focusing on that. There's all this other stuff in medicine that's using machine learning to do diagnostics that's actually better than humans. And so at what point you know, that those advancements are going to be amazing because if you can identify cancer four years before a human can, that's a massive thing. So if you can start to treat that stuff, like, do you know what I mean? And that's I all do, happening yeah, as yeah. well. And it's huge data sets like that where you, where you can see the importance, where it can analyze, where just the human brain is just unable to actually look at that, that amount of data. But going back to your point about the copywriters, yeah, I spoke to an agency guy who had lost, again, it was SEO work, actually. It was what I was describing earlier which is that very basic information that's just putting together content just that exists that that's doesn't that isn't strategic particularly that isn't thinking forward but it's just content that you could pull potentially from the internet uh that very uh, kind of lower lower value easier i don't want to be but that's rude where it about starts what at, that's what i mean though it starts at the bottom mm. with that and then it gets better and better at doing that and then the next thing you know it's up to the equivalent of a mid level person mm. Right. Like you, you gave the example earlier of saying, oh, well, I need to tell it this and I need to tell it the keywords and I I need to tell it this about the company. Well, that's the same stuff you would tell a junior person in your agency Mm -hmm. to say, Mm -hmm. I need you to go put something together and I need you to do X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. It's the same instruction that you would give in an email to someone and just putting it in as a prompt. If we did copywriting, I would be worried about that. That kind of copywriting, 100%. But I think for most agencies, so this guy, He's seen a very small amount of like this SEO work go because it's very easy to produce, but actually he's seen it help him in other areas as well. So it's that going and then the gain as well. So I think if you are a hundred percent, if you are a language specialist and you've, you've, you focused on that in your career and you beautify language. Yeah. I mean, I would, there is an argument that you could be worried about this if you are producing that kind of content. If you're looking for anything, a lot of the writers that we deal with are actually future gazing. So they're not, they're not dealing with anything that we can talk about now. You have to actually put power in the thinking in. You need to put that 80% of thinking in to then produce the content. So you could program the platform to produce that content, but you need to put the thinking in before you can do that. So even if it's getting finessed, each time you're doing it, you're actually changing that perspective because a lot of this stuff hasn't been invented yet. It can't see it. We as humans are looking forward and saying, these are the particular areas that you could go down. And the platform is not, it, it's not capable of doing that yet. So, you know, once it is, that will switch right up because that's thinking like a, that's the thinking like a human being and predicting 
and, and being creative because a lot of this is creative thinking as well. So as far as I can see, it's not capable. It's years off doing that yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not able to come up with the original idea. Humans still have to prompt it with an idea to say, go and do this. And once you've done that, there are some amazing tools that can go and it can hire humans to, to click buttons for it and, you know, to say, I'm not a robot and that sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? It has the capability to do that. But what it doesn't have is it doesn't have the capacity to come up with the idea itself originally. And I think that's what you were getting to earlier is, you know, if we reach that point, that's, that's the true danger point mm -hmm. because then we don't know what it's going to come up with. But it's still, and maybe that's what we limit it to is we limit it to say it always has to have a prompt. Oh, good. You know, good luck with to, that. To give it an By the time we get to that point, you're no, not going to be able to like turn around. <laughs> like, oh, Hello. Oh, Hello. Go back. Right. I'm conscious of time. We've sort of we've done almost an hour already. And and um, Vic, I know you've got some other calls and stuff to do. Do you have any final sort of parting words that you think might be um, uplifting? We don't want to we don't want to end on a downer note. No, no. I think uh, yeah, I'm excited by it because I. It takes for me away some of that, some of that production of content that's just quite dull and boring and monotonous. Um, and I'm actually not a doomsayer. This is what I'm, you know, I've, I've never seen any technology in the history of technology ever just escalate completely and go and, and kill off the human race within 10 years, you know. And that's kind of what it feels like when you, you read some of the narratives, which is just like, we're all out of a job and we'll all be dead in 10 years because of AI. I think, I think it's possible we could do that through environmental warming, which is what I said earlier. You know, that's where people aren't pointing. I think the environment is important, but AI, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna develop. We can't. We we need to put some brains on it now. We need to start thinking about it now, and that's why a lot of the tech leading tech uh, stars have said we need to pay attention to this, guys. Governments around the world need to pay attention to it. You know, and, and Didi's right. You know, you're always going to get bad players. You can't stop that but 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 i think like everything that there was a hype around every single tech piece of tech that's ever come out similar i mean i've been through this before with other tech with people literally you know shaking their hands in the air going you know the the world is the world is ending you know biblical kinds of connotations and you know what i might be on here in 10 years just as we're about to be blown up going shit i was wrong totally wrong but i have faith i have faith i'm glass half full i think it will I, I agree with you. It will definitely kick off some jobs, 100%, just like other types of tech has. But I have faith that it will not end in, in world domination like it was in the Matrix. I think we will pull together and I think we will put in. I, I'm hoping that we will do that. I might be dead by then. I can't do anything <laughs> about it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to, you know, go and go and tend to my vegetable garden, stop eating meat, uh, red it. meat, so that I can uh, do something productive rather than worrying about tech too much. We, we, are, we are physical humans and we can still unplug it at the end of the day. We do have that over it. It needs power and we control the power. For so. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've got, I think DD's been watching The Matrix. I think a lot of people have on this. So, uh, yeah. Ro robotics the, is way behind. Yeah. So. But once robotics catches up, then yeah, then we have other issues. But yeah, hundred percent. Brilliant, yeah. Victoria. Good. Thank you very much for your time this afternoon. It's been an amazing chat. Slightly controversial. I know we've we've covered some interesting yeah. topics, but um, it's been fantastic. So thank you very much. Perfect. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it, both of you. Thank you. 
Take care. Okay, folks, that's a wrap on another amazing episode of Creatives with AI. Thanks so much for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. If you want to stay up to date on how all things related to AI is impacting the creative industries, then be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever your favorite platform is. We're on them all. And follow us on social media. We're on mainly Twitter and LinkedIn, but we're the same handle everywhere, which is at Creatives with AI. We'd also really appreciate it if you could just take a minute to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Those are our two main platforms and it really helps other listeners find the show and it also helps us get more popularity and more exposure. So it'd be amazing if you could help us with that. If you've got any questions, topic suggestions, guest recommendations, feel free to send us an email. The best email is hello at creativeswith.ai or you can shoot us a message on social media. Either one is fine. We love hearing from all of you and we can't wait to bring more exciting episodes in the future. And the best way we can do that is to get feedback from the audience and have the audience tell us who it is you'd like to hear from and what things you'd like us to ask and what topics you'd like us to talk about. So please use that. Let us know what you want to hear and we'll do our best to get it for you. And last but not least, we'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Future Hand Limited, who make this podcast possible. Your support means the world to us. And we really appreciate it. So thanks very much. That's it for today. So until next time, take care, everybody, and stay curious.